Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can go to medterracbd.com and enter discount code BIGMXRADIO20 to save 20% off every single one of your purchases. And you can make those savings year-round with BIGMXRADIO20 at medterracbd.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Phoenix Handlebars. Jason over at Phoenix Handlebars wants you to have cool handlebars, but more often, more than that, he just wants you to go enjoy the ride. Uh, so go check out phoenixhandlebars.com and find the right bars for you, whether it's the 7.8s, the 78s, or uh, which are or the one and one h which are labeled the uh, the the 118s. Um, go check them out. Fantastic website, really easy to use, uh, and they also got some cool goodies on there as well, like grips and grip donuts. And y- you know, if you got to have at least two or three grip donuts on uh, both grips if you want to be going fast on two wheels. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. I'm on all of these podcasts. Never miss an episode, mainly because I'm the host. But making his return on the podcast for what it feels like forever, but I definitely think I talked to him during the beginning of this whole COVID BS. Um, but uh, he's back on the show. He's back from uh, Minio's, and, and he's back on the cycle uh, on his uh, his uh, Concept Two cycle. Um, James Hansen. James Hansen, how's it going? Uh, awesome. I'm b- never better, honestly. I love How it. How are you? I, hey, dude, the positivity is coming through the phone line right now. I'm hearing you uh, uh, just faintly spinning your legs on the Concept Two, getting uh, your, your legs all all limbered up um and honestly every time that we get a chance to chat it's always it's a it's a motivational thing it's an inspiring thing and you just got such an energy around you that uh really brings people up uh and i think that's why you're such a great follow on instagram yeah i mean i think uh throughout my life i've tried to grow constantly in every way um and uh finding positive outlook has has been really big for me and just improving my life ever since I was a kid. So, um, you know, it just kind of becomes a, a standard for me to be positive and, and let things slide and, and try to, uh, make everyone else smile. You've certainly been doing a lot of that and you've also been taking care of your own smile, um, by, uh, giving yourself yet another challenge about, I think I remember hearing about this, uh maybe four weeks out five weeks out from uh from minios that you were kind of toying with the idea and then as soon as you see even seem to like in my perspective when you uh even hint at something that means you're doing it so i just assume you do were and then two weeks later i found out that you were in fact doing it um and uh you always downplay how much prepare like how much preparation you're going to do or how much you're how, how seriously you're going to take uh, getting prepped uh, honestly, to me, I, I really saw somebody who uh, took a challenge, went after it, took that uh, beautiful Husky 125 to the track multiple times. Maybe not as much prep as you wanted to have for an event like this, but uh, returning to uh, uh, Minio's after having not had a gate drop in a long time, how'd it feel? Yeah, it was kind of funny, actually. Talon Hawkins' dad texted me something about Minio's, and uh, I was driving, and thinking about it and it was like two hours later i was signed up for both supercross and motocross (laughs) and uh it was about four and a half five weeks out but i was leaving three days later for uh ryan sites house and we were going to uh driving to kansas and going to imagination um which was 
that would have been cool. To see your best friend. Yeah, but it was frightening to see your best friend hitting these jumps. Like, they were intimidating just to look at, you know? And then when he was eyeing up the quarter pipe, I was like, no, dude. Like, <laughs> this isn't the quarter pipe to hit first. And then he almost went for it in his final run, and I was like, oh, my God. But uh, we came back. We drove back to Kentucky from there and then drove straight to Tennessee for uh, a Jeep and Razor trip in the woods for his birthday. So by the time it was all said and done, I started riding three weeks before. And uh, looking back, I realized, like, man, you need two months or more to get to 100%. Oh, I mean, I don't sure. even know. I, you know, it had been 25 months since I, I last raced. And I barely rode the last two years, so I was nowhere near 100%. I'll tell you that. Well, yeah, I think the last time I saw you ride in person would have been Thunder Valley 17. Here we are um, two and a half years removed from that. Like, I know you raced quite a few of the 125 um, dream races that year, uh, the ones that you could anyway. And, um, yeah, like, I, like, I, I, like, I don't want to say anything, but I had noticed that you were doing a lot less, uh, you're doing a lot more running and a lot less riding over the last maybe calendar year or so. Uh, it hurt my heart, but uh, cool to see you come back to it. And uh, yeah, you might not have been absolutely on point, ready to go, ready to rip uh, the entire time. But uh, all things considered, I think you were, uh, um, yeah, I, I think you're in the right spot. Yeah, I mean, I've. I think part of not, not racing for so long, too, definitely that came into play. Um, I mean, I had arm pump on the first lap. So that, uh, that I mean, I was doing 15 lap motos before I went there on a smooth track, but it's not a race. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, my focus was a little off just with breathing. I think that was part of it. But I really like, I, I've progressed throughout the week to, be comfortable with things I've never been comfortable with in my life. Like just not being where I want to be, but confidence on a rough track, confidence on the start, just wanting to be there. I mean, growing up racing, I never got good starts, but I did it to myself mentally every time I came through the path and I won championships, but I should have been getting whole shots all my life. And, um, Granted, I wasn't getting whole shots at many of, but I know I can on the right bike. So, um, yeah, I mean, the outdoor track was for sure one of the most brutal tracks I've ever ridden. I mean, Thunder Valley and High Point are pretty bad, but they're a distant memory now. <laughs> and I, I mean, didn't you just Southwick too? The, the, yeah, Southwick was cool too, but it was. Uh, the ruts weren't so treacherous at Southwick. You know, it was bumpy, but, like, Gatorback had all of it. Big bumps, little bumps, big ruts, little ruts, like, kickers, ruts that went down, you know, ruts that were 300 feet long. Like, but it was, it was so fun. It was one of my favorite tracks I've ever ridden, even in the condition. Like, it's weird because, after not racing for two years, I, I didn't even like doing a, a, a local race didn't even sound cool. I want to do something big. And now in my head, I wish I could just do all the big races, you know? 
But... Well, yeah, and like that that one specifically is uh, um, is a really really cool event, uh, and and it's so well attended. Like it's to me, it's almost like the it's like almost like a Christmas in July version of Loretta's. Like it's it's the other measuring stick, guys who were on super minis uh six months ago now they're on 125s kids that are on 125 now they're on big bikes like that you get that graduation you get kids on new bikes uh new graphics new gear um it's a really cool happening time and, and the fact that they absolutely bursting at the seams i think i saw 95 classes or 95 motos in certain classes like that or in certain like certain divisions like that's insane yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's always kind of the graduation race. It's basically, although it takes place in November over Thanksgiving, it's uh, really the, the first race of next year. It's kind of, you know, like team changes and sponsor changes usually happen in October, and it sits a month later. So, um, yeah, that is where you see kids making the, the jumps to big bikes and stuff. And, I mean, it was insane. Uh, the most entries I think they'd ever had was, 2000 something and they were around 5500 wow uh yeah i mean there were two days i didn't even ride there were so many motos and the first motos outdoors because the qualifiers there was 94 and then it 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 was went down to 45 for for the second motos after those who didn't qualify were gone or whatever but 94 motos with divisions like that just in MX. That's insane. Like and like full gates. Uh, like basically a class for absolutely everyone. And like you said, the track was wild. Like the thing that that really stuck out to me is it actually because it was so tailored for um, a lot of the younger kids. Obviously, like there's you got to have kids in, on 50s and 65s that that can can master this track quite well. Um, it actually becomes quite technical in, in some of the sizes of jumps and some of the, the distances between stuff. Um, it's tight, but fast. It's weird. Yeah, it's the Supercross is pretty tight, but the outdoor, I honestly, I never really paid attention during the 50 motos. I know that they were running a shorter track, so I don't know if they were missing those. Like the one side of the track was just no matter what wasted every time. So I don't know what their course was exactly, but that that's a brutal track for a 50. And, and uh, the really cool thing was for the future of the sport, like 51 CC, four to eight on the MX track with three divisions of 40 kids. Like, yeah. That's the future. And there's 120 in the 48 class. That's pretty awesome. Man. No kidding. Like, uh, who are you most impressed with? Like, uh, like I, you must have watched a ton of racing in addition to uh, um, and d- doing some riding yourself. Like, you spent two days off the motorcycle. I hope you at least uh, unloaded your motorcycle in the dark on those days. Um, but uh, who, who outside <laughs> of Talon Hawkins uh, really, uh, really impressed you? Um, you know, honestly, I didn't watch as much as you would think. I, I hung out, you know, with... I caught up with people on my new race since March and um, I hung out with the Hawkins family the whole time. I was pitted with them and Mike Smith, my old racing buddy from when we were growing up, we haven't seen each other much for 20 years. And he, uh, he saw us racing it and he drove over from the West coast and, and uh, it was kind of a real cool throwback, but um, yeah, I was really impressed with Talon though. Uh, 
two months. Only he's been on, on the 250, off the 125. And he got five podiums. Uh, super impressive as Evan Ferry, but I'm not surprised. Uh, not at all, but he, it, but he really came out. Like, there's a lot of kids like, oh, yeah, so like so-and-so is going to show up and, and wax them. But he was he was dominant. I was impressed. Totally dominant. And I, uh, um, like, no one was even close. But also, uh, Logan Best was uh, went straight from the 85 to the 125. He's still small. And he was, his dad said that they would be happy with fifth, you know. And he was frequently on the podium, uh, almost winning motos. So, that was. That was pretty cool. I was impressed with him, but I also wasn't surprised there either. I mean, when you follow these kids since they're little, they they have standout performances, but you're just not surprised. You're kind of – you expect it, you know, yeah. in, in a good way. Oh, definitely. It's cool to see kids that, uh, like Evan, that maybe weren't like a, a 65 superstar or even a really an 85 superstar really blossom on the big bike. Um, it's also cool to see some of these kids um, that, uh, like, they're you see them on 50s, and then you start to see those skills get cultivated and grow onto the 65, onto the 85, and, and see how young they're on those bikes uh, and executing. Uh, it's really, really impressive. Um, and all, obviously, my favorite thing about going to an amateur race, lots of super mini classes, lots of 125 classes, and that means lots of two-strokes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, throughout the years, that's the biggest transition point. A lot of kids are mini-cycle superstars, but they don't transition to big bikes for some reason. They kind of they jump up to the bigger bike and they plateau real fast and it's really weird, but hmm. it's cool to see, you know, the kids I've been following excel right away. So, you Absolutely. know, that they really have a potential future. Who, uh, who's a fast kid around where you're, where you're currently living? Me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, I haven't really been at the tracks, you know, so except for the last three weeks. Uh, prior to Minio's, but um, I haven't been to a race or anything since, I guess, two years ago. I did the Big Buck Sprint and Duro with Ryan and won that. And then uh, the following weekend, I did a local race. Um, and won one of the classes and was super pumped to get second and 25 plus because it was every 450 Pro was in there. And then I didn't race again until Minio's. But, uh, I don't know who's going fast around here. I'm going to find out because as soon as I get my 350, I'm going to race as much as I can. I I want to go back next year and I want to be ready. I want to do a lot bigger thing. Yeah, I wish I like I raced on Sunday, drove home 10 hours, woke up Monday morning and wish I was racing that day. You must have driven I've ever been this hungry. You must have driven really slowly uh, to make a 10-hour drive or an 8-hour drive in 10 hours. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's seven and a half hours drive time, but with many of us pushing into Sunday into the Thanksgiving traffic, Ugh. 300 of the 530 miles was in traffic. <sighs> like, uh, <laughs> it was not bad. I, I had football on my I have Sunday ticket, so yeah. I had football on my phone the entire 10 hours, and I was just like, driving, you know? How'd your Raiders do? Horrible. <laughs> Absolutely didn't even show up. That's okay. Neither did my Cowboys. Yeah, well. 
They probably didn't expect to show up though. No, that's a laughing stock right now. Um, yeah. Speaking of Thanksgiving, uh, that's a kind of a tradition among the motocross community in the States, especially the ones that do that sort of national circuit, do all the big races. Uh, a lot of them spend Thanksgiving with that motocross family. They're they're not back home with their families cutting the, the turkey or watching football. Uh, on Thursday, they're uh, putting down... Uh, motocross motos or supercross motos um at minios down in florida uh what type of um traditions did you see some really cool stuff that uh, kind of goes on uh that sort of adds to the mystique of uh, of minios of how it just kind of togetherness it's a little bit cooler weather this that and the other thing yeah i mean i've been there like 12 the last 13 years or something and um there there's always training facilities catering to their kids there's always a big uh, Thanksgiving in the middle that everyone's invited to. Um, the Hawkins were – Jules Hawkins, the mom, was, was cooking a turkey. But I wanted to get out of there because I knew I was racing the next morning. And I was going to bed at like 8 o'clock. So I left the track and didn't quite know what I was going to do. TGI Fridays is usually open. But just as I was getting to the hotel exit, uh, Tim Castrone texted me, and he was there with – uh, Suzuki and Kawasaki, Doug Duchette and Jersey Joe, and they already had a table <laughs> at Cracker Barrel on my exit. So there's Cracker Barrel on Thanksgiving. There's a line about 100, 100 people long at all times. Yeah, but they had a table. So me and my buddy just rolled in and walked in and ate. Yeah, it was perfect. Oh, that's just, that's not even fair. That's doing it right, though. What uh, What's your go-to Cracker Barrel uh, uh, meal? You know, I don't... I got the Thanksgiving special and then just kind Surprise. of uh, deleted a few of the items that I don't eat. But, um, yeah, I don't really have a go-to Cracker Barrel. I've only been there a few times. Hmm. But yeah, um, it's not one of my first choices, typically. But fair. Thanksgiving, it makes sense. Well, you and I have been to about five Houstons and uh, where else? couple of outbacks over our years. Um, yeah. So I know that's you're, you're a repeat offender that way. Um, but uh, meals aside, uh, I know right now you're spinning your legs on your Concept 2, and uh, you're currently over 330 days in a row running at least one mile, usually way more than that. Um, the listeners at home, they're a little bit curious as to uh, what's the method to the madness? Maybe what's the root of the madness? And uh, why do you continue to torture yourself like that? Uh, it doesn't feel like torture to me, honestly. But um, I, I want to win, for one thing. But I, uh, I've found a source of happiness and in inspiring and motivating others and making a difference in the world. So part of that pushes me. But recently, I realized that that wasn't enough. It wasn't making me happy anymore. I didn't really know where to go. So um, I go through those times. I know everybody does. Uh, I've had to defeat demons throughout my life, and they always come back a little bit, nothing bad. But So I'm always trying to find that next thing. And for running, the next thing is a 200-mile race. But it's like, is that really the answer if I keep going farther? Like, what do I, what do I, how am I going to keep doing this stuff? Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it just it makes me happy to push, to go farther, to do big things, to open people's eyes and show them what they can do, you know, that they can do something if I can do this. So um, I just I just keep going, and 
yeah the next the next big thing in sites for running is 200 miles but um i've found balance with riding in these last few weeks so i like that i'm gonna keep racing all year i uh I'm going to keep cycling. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep doing gym, but I'm going to race dirt bikes. And I got my eyes on many of next year, but if things continue the way they are, I'm going to go to Loretta's. What class? I don't even know what the classes are right now, which ones I can ride, but. Um, uh, 50 CC shaft drive, um, uh, super mini an one and two. Yeah, age restriction. Probably 35 and 40, but I don't know. You'd be a plus might have 25. Be 30. I can't. Yeah, that's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to be top 10 in every moto I do anywhere at these big races moving forward. Okay, so. okay. Well, like, um, on, let's talk about your top 10 then. Like, the, the, the ninth place finish in the moto, like, on a, on a box stock 125 in a moto that's featuring <laughs> none other than uh, Mike Brown, former 125 champion. Of course, he's not on a 125. Um, tell me about the start. Tell me about neg- uh, negotiating the turns and everything. And, and then the, the surprise <laughs> and the relief to know that you were a top 10 guy, uh, if all things go right. Yeah, it's it pretty funny. I was I was pumped. Michael's in my moto, um, but uh, yeah, I it was it was so hard to tell where I was. I just you know being rusty, racing racecraft, um, you always remember it, but you're you're still not super sharp. And um, yeah, I just didn't know, and I missed my shift on the start. Uh, it's I I shift with the side of my boot my first shift on 125s, whether it's from first to second or second to third. And um, I've never missed it. But I was surrounded by 450s, so I couldn't even hear it. I just, and you know you're going to get pulled. So I didn't realize until I was almost to the first turn that I was still in second. Mm. So I shifted into third going into the corner because I – on the track, I never go below third. I do all the corners in third. So wow. I shifted fourth coming out, and – everybody funnels to the straightest line and I went out and around talk to the left and passed. I don't, I mean, have to go to the tape to count how many, but 10, 12 people on the second straightaway on a stock 125, um, with an FMF pipe inside up there. Can't forget that, but, Cannot. um, yeah. And I just kind of made moves and rode and survived and it got to a point where, there was a guy kind of close in front of me, but I didn't have the strength to push, and I couldn't see anyone behind me so, at all, anywhere near. So that just leaves you like you don't know what position you were in on the start. You don't know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I know they're taking top 18, but I don't even know if I'm in the top 18. So I'm just motoing and just come off the track like, okay, whatever. I get back, and Mike's back there. I'm like, did I qualify? <laughs> He's like, dude, you got ninth. And I was like, what? I was super pumped. And then everybody was texting me that I got ninth. And uh, pretty crazy on a track like that, on a stock 125 after two years off to get in the top 10. So I was, uh, that was by far the highlight of my week for sure. 
No doubt. Well, that, that had to feel good. I could just, I could see the uh, the elation in the post. And if you're not already following James on Instagram or any uh, piece of social media, you're most active on Instagram. Uh, you need to do that yeah. um, because if it, if something's going to get you energized for uh, a day or get you energized on just um, enjoying the sport of motocross, like you were like a kid who had never gotten uh, a top 10 before. Like it was like, it was that day one moment that I was really, really stoked on when you were able to uh, basically uh, just like share that with everybody. It was really cool. Yeah. I mean, it was a goal, you know, I thought it was a pretty extreme goal, honestly. Um, I just felt like all the cards had to fall right for me to get that. But um, just, you know, considering the, uh, you know, what I was doing on and, and all that, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty happy to get that because I thought it was lofty and and I didn't even know, you know, <laughs> super funny. And everybody's watching on Racer TV and they said they could, they could hear my bike over the announcers every lap. It was going by the tower. There was an outside line and uh, it was smooth out there and I could land off the, the uh, roller and shift forth in the air and never let off around the corner. <laughs> it was just that wide open for an extended period under power 125 sound every single lap. And I thought it was cool sounding. And it was pretty funny that everyone that was watching on racer TV heard it. <laughs> thought it sounded as cool as I did. Well, yeah, like, you put a 125 through the paces. Not only is it uh, impressive to the ear, uh, but those who understand what it's like to dance on the shifter of a 125, impressive that you don't drop down to pass third gear. Um, that's, honestly speaks volumes to your ability to keep momentum up more than anything um but uh it's just fun it's just like uh a 125 although lots of work to uh like to make it go fast let me contradict myself when it, it's not a bike that really tires you out not like a 450 does um i think that it's probably especially on that track it tires you out because you're moving your body so much to make it work. Yeah. But once you are in that, <laughs> that fading feeling, it's not as scary. You know, the 450, you have arm pump on that thing. You're uh, dead. You got to, you, yeah, you got to respect that thing and, and it, it can pound you. So with the 125, once you get to that point, it's more manageable to uh, ride a rough track with arm pump and, and holding your breath without i mean i didn't make one mistake all week except for dabbing feet but everyone was going through the ruts of both feet down so uh yeah i was pumped on that too but but for sure the 125 is more manageable when you're fatigued did you uh did you check lap times at all and see where you would have fit in and get some of the uh the schoolboy kids or the other kids on the 125 oh dude they're so no they're too fast i wouldn't even really no i'm not gonna I'm not going to disappoint myself when I'm riding way below what I could do by comparing mm. lap times. <laughs> I know. It just would have been interesting to idea. know. If I was 100% and charging and scrubbing everything and had the power to really like ride like I can, then I'd be curious and I'd still be slower. But yeah, then I would be more curious, you know? So like if, but if... as far as where I was, I don't want to know. If you're you're at a hundred percent, you you've been training, you're in the best shape of your life, scrubbing, charging, best 
best version of uh, James Hansen 2020 we can have. Um, and then you look, and Logan Best has like six seconds a lap on you. What, what's that feeling in the bottom of your heart? I would be more. I would be ten or more seconds faster a lap than I am right now. Take everyone out. Really? Okay. I like that. If I, I was one hundred percent, yeah. Okay. I like it, my friend. Um, so, like, we already kind of talked about what's on the horizon as far as your uh, your your big announcement. Um, how are you going to achieve it? How are you going to pick a way at it? Like, I think you're you're a guy who who takes on a gigantic challenge, but then also reverse engineers it to make it not seem somehow not seems such a, a giant mountain to climb. How are you going to do it? Are you talking about running 200 miles or are you talking about why I'm cycling right now? <laughs> uh, let's go with the 200 miles first. Um, honestly, with distance, your, your longest runs, most people uh, are in the 20-mile range. So, granted, I randomly pop off 40-mile runs and stuff here and there when, when my mind needs a, a little something to fix it i'll go run 40 miles or something which isn't isn't really like something anyone does for training i mean you're the training is really structured no matter the distance um between 100 and 200 miles you're not really running any farther in training it's you can only go so far before you're going backwards so (laughs) when it comes to something like that um it's all the science knowing the course, knowing the nutrition, knowing that you can mentally overcome, and when you get in a hole, your body will come back. Knowing uh, what your sleep timer is, like Rob Seeger, his sleep reset is seven minutes. He can lay down on the, on the course for seven minutes and wake up and get a recharge. Some people's eight, some people are six. Um, so it's all science and knowing you can do it and being mentally strong. So really the only thing changing in my training from this year is <laughs> racing dirt bikes. So, uh, are you going to try and sleep yeah, next I mean, to the track? Maybe probably not in a dirt bike race. I don't think I could win that way, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's on the horizon, but I don't know when I'm going to be able to do it. That's one of my that's one of my number one goals. I don't know if I'll be able to do it next year or if it'll have to be the following year. Um, I mean, I'm sure I'll do a hundred miler next year. It's uh, it just doesn't sound that daunting to me anymore. I mean, I could still potentially DNF it, you know. You never know with hundred milers, but it doesn't. The carrot isn't as big anymore. Yeah. It's just I've done it and I know I can do it and. I mean, there's gnarlier ones, but I don't know. It's just that number. It's just a hundred miles, you know. Hundred miles. That's it. It's a lot. Like, it's, it's just a hundred miles. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. Like I can go run forty miles like it's nothing. It really. Your mentality changes the more you do things, and. Yeah. It's no, not a big deal legit. for me to go run forty miles in the neighborhood at starting at two in the morning. Like it's. I could decide to do that tomorrow morning and just go do it. So. <laughs> It's weird. I mean, obviously your mind gets stronger towards it, but it's just, for me, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. What about foot fatigue and like how, how much, how hard that is on your feet? Like, obviously like that's, that's a lot of pounding for one. Uh, but also just like 
most people aren't conditioned to to have that type of uh, abuse on their feet. I know uh, uh, the Iron Cowboy himself, uh, after the I think the third Iron Man he did, he had no uh, no toenails left. Uh, my feet are pretty good, honestly. Um, like the forty mile run I did a couple months ago, I wasn't even hardly sore. I uh, I was sore a little bit for two days, but um, by the third day, I was almost almost completely back. But for me, toenails are usually it's just from trails and kicking rocks. I don't really ever lose them just from running. I uh, and I don't really get blisters. The 100-miler I did for Road to Recovery earlier this year was virtual, and I did all 100 miles on pavement, which certainly isn't ideal. And looking back with the weather changes that weren't supposed to happen, I realized a couple months later when I looked, it was uh, 105 degrees heat index during that run, too. So um, the fact that my feet held up is pretty impressive to me, that I'm doing the right thing. Um, I run barefoot on the treadmill a lot, and that's why. So, yeah, I was I was pumped to have no blisters coming away from that. Um, and knowing that everything that I'm doing is working, it's been a lot of testing and figuring it out. And, but uh, it's all kind of gone down the path of not that many mistakes, but I read a lot of books. So, luckily, I made the right decisions, and I think I'm lucky in the foot department just uh, naturally um, that they don't fall apart so that's a huge benefit honestly well I like to hear that my friend that's that's the positive attitude that I was talking about earlier we have not had a uh, well we had a couple of phone conversations but not a uh, I have not had you on the podcast since Zach Osborne secured the 2020 Lucas Oil Pro Motocross AMA 450 National Championship um as a representative and uh, an employee of uh, of Rockstar Energy Drink, and a guy who who's been on so many podiums uh, and seen these guys and watched Zach through his entire tenure at uh, at Rockstar, um, tell me what that means to you, and uh, and watching him be so successful um, and, and really work so hard and, and get that carrot at the end of the uh, at the end of the rope. Yeah, it was. Uh... First of all, the first one is always bigger. Um, and I've watched Zach win a bunch of championships now, but I wasn't there. I wasn't there for any of the races. It was it was weird, but um, it was just another one of those things. And it's, it's not as emotional, you know, the fourth time, but also not being there. Um, I just wasn't surprised. You know, at first, the first couple races, you know, it was like, you know, things really unfolded for the entire field strangely and Zach came out on top and uh I I know you can't ever count that guy out so yeah it was it's not like you're going into the season thinking he can't do it so I mean he works as hard as he can family man healthy um he does all the right things yeah oh yeah before that it was it was fair to say that if things go his way he can win the championship but to that point like things had not gone his way right so um yeah he he had a bad one you know before the salt lake series and wasn't confident going in there um you know he got hurt pretty bad and his first time on the bike he didn't feel good and considered not going and uh 
we all know how that turned out. You know, he uh, he killed it in Salt Lake. It's funny. Greg Schnell's calling me right now, actually. <laughs> I'll let you go in a few minutes here. No, it's all good. I can call him back. We okay. we uh, that's part of why I'm cycling right now too. Of course, Greg Schnell. So yeah, cancer survivor. Yeah. I've had Greg Schnell on the podcast. He's a friend of the show. Yeah, I was supposed to be straight out of many of um, I was going to be flying to uh, San Antonio here in a couple of days to uh, run the rock and roll marathon with him, his first marathon. And with a couple of his other buddies, we're, uh, we're Team 5-8, and it's, uh, we're doing it for St. Jude. We have a fundraiser link on my, on my bio on Instagram. Um, but... Uh, the, the marathon got canceled, so oh. Greg is and the other guys are doing their their first marathon in their locations respectively, virtually. Um, and my original plan was to uh, take 38 minutes off my 50 mile PR to get under eight hours, but I realized that I can double up on charities because Concept Two does this holiday challenge every year. Okay, and. Uh, it, their their cap keeps going up every year, and so this year it's forty five thousand dollars, and they have like five charities, and you select one. Um, so they they donate a certain amount of money for every meter you cycle or row or skiered, um, and I do it every year. So I wiped the fifty mile run off the board and decided that uh, I'm gonna cycle. I missed the first week of the challenge. Because I was at many of so I'm going to cycle a million meters uh, in these three weeks. And uh, on top, I have to run 100 miles a month. On top of riding and racing if I get my new 350 and a gym. So uh, it's... Uh, you're going to be busy. You're going to be... Once again, you're not going to be grilling a lot, but you're going to be hungry a lot. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it doesn't look that big to me again, but I'm also... Maybe this weekend, um, because I do, as soon as I get my 350, I'm going to start racing everywhere I can. But um, So possibly starting Friday, I'm doing the 48-hour cycle. Uh, one hour on, one hour off for 48 hours. It's a, an idea we've had for a while since we did the 24-hour straight through. Um, I think it has potential to be a, a team event in the future, you know, when COVID's gone. Yep. And, uh, where you alternate with a partner every hour. I could see it going. Like, I could see that. To the point where, you, where it could be a week-long event, you know? So, um, it's twice the time as the 24 hours, but it's still only 24 hours of pedaling. But the mental strength you're going to gain for having to get back on the bike every hour 24 times, 48 times, whatever. Yeah. Uh, what you're going to gain from that is huge. Um, if you pedal for an hour once and get off and have to get back on an hour later, you'll find like your legs feel like crap. So you're going to have to do that 24 times. And um, I think the format allows people to go farther than they ever have, but I think it would be an amazing team event. So we were going to do it all as a team and we kept getting it pushed back. And now that I, I'm doing this million meters, I was like, I'm just going to do it by myself right now and so if uh if i get jackson richardson and the boys all over the world wanting to do it 
this weekend, cool. But if not, when they're ready to do the 48, I'm going to do 72 hours. So um, it's whatever. I just want to do it. And it'll, <laughs> it'll knock 600,000 of the, the meters off. So uh, wow. that'll be a big chunk. No kidding. Weekend. Yeah. That'll, uh, that'll put yeah. a dent into it. Leave it to James Hansen to uh, do do the unthinkable and then raise the bar. Uh, dude, you're... you're you're next level, man. I, I, I can't uh, I can't keep up with you on uh, on a on a bike or uh, on the motocross track or in all the other things that you do. But uh, hats off to you for keeping doing it. Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm at ninety thousand meters right now on day one because I pedaled on all my phone calls today after doing my morning pedal. So uh, that's something I do all the time, and I know not everyone can, but if they have the equipment, they should. I do Zoom meetings on my treadmill or you know, whatever on the bike with my headphones. Um, but also if anyone has a concept two of any kind or access to them, create an account on the concept two logbook. Um, start logging meters, pick a charity. It doesn't cost you anything. You know, you're, you're already working out and it'll probably push you to go farther. So I recommend everyone every year to get on the concept two logbook and start tracking. And then you'll start making goals. You'll start writing them down. And you'll find that writing things down holds you accountable. And before you know it, your goal is going to be to run 200 miles through, you know, Moab or something. So, uh, which actually, there's a 240-mile race in Moab, which might be the one I have to do because of the, what time of year it is. But that's all good. I'm down. Well, there is a 24-hour race at Glen Helen that I'd like to see you do by yourself. It's supposed to be a team event. I want an Ironman Baja. That'd be fun. If I do any long distance, if I do any long distance on a motorcycle, that's what I want to do. That's fucked. One hundred percent. It's it's similar, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. Um, James, it's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast, my friend. We're gonna have to do this again somewhere, either closer to or right before uh, the Supercross season that that shows up uh, on the sixteenth uh, of January. Um, yeah, this is always, it's always a pleasure to have you on the phone, my friend. Uh, I got to get well, a workout of my own as well as uh, get something to eat. But yeah. Uh, yeah, man, always a pleasure, my friend. Continue pedaling, continue inspiring people, and uh, I echo your sentiments. If, if people have the, uh, the means to do so, uh, get on the, uh, the Concept2 app, start logging, and, uh, and, and that would be fantastic to get some more uh, people motivated, more people moving, and, uh, and some great charities getting uh, some extra support this holiday season. Yes, sir. Awesome, my friend. Well, you have yourself a great rest of your night. Keep spinning the legs, and uh, we appreciate the time.